news, everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in sports. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, follow me at All in Kid, in case you're coming from one of my favorite guests. We were just talking a whole lot of nonsense, like video games that we do. Actually, we even did like a video game-ish podcast in past years. Or This was actually, I think, feel like that one was a couple months ago. But in any case, real quickly before we get to them. In case you're not signed up for The Athletic, I don't know what you're waiting for because right now, and it's not going to last forever, but it's a dollar a month for new subscribers. And I say that with kind of like that tone because it's like, I know you don't like paying for content, but there's terrific content out there, including somebody you should be paying for more than a dollar, which I'm going to get to in a second. But go to The Athletic, it's a dollar a month, no reason to not sign up. It's Rich Rerar. He's one of my favorite guys, at Lord Reeves. I'm going to let you, Rich, tell everybody why they should drop a few coins. And it's not that much, but your content, I even jokingly was texting you about it or actually DMing you about it. I was like, it's not free over at Road World anymore, but it's still worth paying for. And I'm going to go check the damn thing out because it's so good. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of just how the landscape has shifted over the years. And, you know, what, what can you do? I mean, I got, I've got kids. I got a son that started driving uh, this just, you know, a couple weeks ago. So, oh, I mean, listen, I've got extra insurance to pay for and, you know, cars and all kinds of stuff. So it just is what it is. But yeah, you can go, go over sharpfootballanalysis.com. That's where all my stuff is now. And it's been there for the last two years, but it's still doing the weekly worksheet, which has kind of grown and manifested into even larger than it's ever been before. We've got some, you know, tools. I'm doing DFS content, weekly shows, hanging out with subscribers, uh, doing all kinds of fun stuff. So, you know, I hope everyone's had a really good start to the season. I know that everyone's <laughs> kind of in the same boat. We've lost a guy here or there on some rock rosters and you know we were jo- i made the joke before we got on it said hey my roster might be 0-2 but uh, i've lost anybody injury so i'm biding my time so i know there's some teams out there like that too but it's been an adventurous uh first two weeks but i'm just glad to have football back and it actually the football has been solid so far the actual yeah. football play it, it definitely has been all right so let me ask you real quick does 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 is there a dress code? Did you have to get a mustache? Cause I haven't seen you in a really long time. So did Warren like make that? Like everybody has to have a goofy mustache. I've uh, always uh, had a mustache. Uh, so, but not as, uh, as impeccable as Warren's. Uh, so, I mean, it does, I, I don't even think it's called a mustache when it's next to his. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if you grew yours out and got it all nice and bushy and <laughs> combed and everything like that. Uh, real quick. You, you, I wasn't even going to put this on the list, but you brought up something that made me kind of triggered in the back of my mind. You said if you're healthy, let's just say most teams out there aren't, but if you're sitting in a situation where you haven't lost a McCaffrey, you haven't lost a Barkley, even if you lost one or two guys, it was maybe the lesser value people. How aggressive are you in that situation? Let's say you're somebody who's looking nice up and down your roster to go after a McCaffrey or go after a Michael Thomas and absorb that injury risk because you know what you're getting when they come back because the downside to it is they're both suffering the same injury, which we saw what happened to Barkley when he came back last year is that he wasn't really that great until the last few weeks of the season. Yeah, Kamara too, you know, had the high ankle yeah. sprain too and, and, and was another guy that really kind of was night and day night and day splits, especially as a running back. I've always kind of been one to 
to like err on the side of caution when acquiring or drafting injured players. So like, it's not like I'm actively trying to go out and get Michael Thomas or Christian McCaffrey. Although those guys kind of are, like you said, like the, the, on the Pantheon to make you at least second guess, you know, your own, you know, systematic beliefs. Like I said, I'm I'm typically not a guy that pursues those guys, but if someone wants to give away Christian McCaffrey, (laughs) then like I'm willing to say like, all right, well I can see where this thing can go or if I'm strong, like you said. So, I mean, it's worth nibbling to see uh, what you can, what you can get. And maybe that guy that had Christian McCaffrey or that owner in your uh, league, that gamer had, you know, it's just really just on dire straits. And, you know, maybe they lost someone else too. Uh, it's it's just worth exploring to see what happens, especially in leagues where there are no IR spots. I don't know why there would be, but, you know, some leagues don't. Oh um, you know, and these guys can't started, stash man. these guys on benches. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's an intriguing, you know, a gambit to run, trying to acquire one of those guys. Let me give you your you know, for instance then. Here, here's yeah. one. For Christian McCaffrey or Michael Thomas. So you have options. And we'll say James Robinson is your RB3. Behind him are timeshare people, like maybe a Joshua Kelly. So, or even a Chase Edmonds, who has high upside, but is more of a backup situation. Mm-hmm. So you have James Robinson and Marvin Jones. Would you send that duo for either one of them if somebody would take it? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> no, I know. Let's just try to get people engaged out there. So let's say, yeah, let's yeah, go yeah. higher. And that's what I'm going to stick with the James Robinson because I think that's a really good one that a lot of people fell into. How about a James Robinson and a DJ Moore for either one of them? See, that one's probably a little tougher. Um, I think if, uh, you know, in the DJ Moore context, if it was not full PPR, I think that that would be more maybe incentive. But in a full PPR, I mean, I still think that his floor is, is pretty high. Okay. I just want to get a good gauge out there for. I think that yeah, probably when you get in that area, but, um, yeah, that, those are pretty good examples. Definitely the first one I would do. Okay. I think anybody right. you're not starting, especially if you're talking like non-starters on your roster, then that's then that's I think go for it. That's absolute. I think if it's a like a Robinson where you're flex and you fell into it and you can absorb mm-hmm. kind of a hit for a few weeks, I, I consider that as well. Um, because you have to think of it as like, okay, it's Michael Thomas replacing DJ Moore, but can I really afford to lose James Robinson right now? And maybe you can, you plug in Joshua Kelly, but that's, you know, these are all the type of things. I'm just kind of giving some guys, you know, yeah. a ballpark-ish type of range. So let's talk about some of these replacement running backs. There's a lot this week. Let's stick with Carolina. Let's start with Carolina first. So Mike Davis is the first one up. Mike Davis had eight receptions. Uh, Mike Davis has been talked about before we, you know, got some of that hype with the bears thinking that he'd be the next man up. He's a vet. He's finally the next man up. Uh, Bonifin might get back involved. I don't know if he's officially been brought back to the squad yet, uh, but Trenton Cannon's there. This kind of feels like it's his job, but at the same time, we know this is a ticking clock until Christian McCaffrey comes back and sees it as a challenge, even though he might come back and look like Barkley, it's going to be his job. So how are you attacking Davis in your leagues and how, as long as McCaffrey's out, how high would you put him in your RB ranking, so to speak? I think that it's, I think it definitely is his job if you're just going by the signal of that one, he beat out Bonifon and they sent him to practice squad in the first place. Um, and then was the guy that was active um, behind McCaffrey when McCaffrey's playing 100% of the snaps every week, just about. I mean, it's, it's a bummer that McCaffrey, like, it's because, you know, like, well, this was bound to happen just to any running back that plays as much as him. Um, to not get any like alleviation snaps ever 
it was just crazy because you think about all the snaps McCaffrey's taken over the years, the last year and two weeks where they've just been getting rolled and he's out there catching passes, uh, you know, at the end of games. And it's a, it's a bummer that the, you see that this finally kind of catch up to him. Um, you know, knock on wood, it's just a short-term injury for him and hopefully doesn't linger throughout the season. But yeah, Mike Davis has been like a competent guy when called upon, like a lot of running backs. I mean, he's only had 13 career games with double-digit touches, but in those games, he's averaged 12.2 PPR points. I mean, that's definitely a, you know, solid foundation of a guy that can be, you know, a flex plus for you. I don't think he'll repeat the eight receptions, you know, a lot of weeks that he had (laughs) last week and definitely won't play 95% of the snaps like McCaffrey was, but I don't think anyone's assuming that he's going to be Christian McCaffrey. This week in particular is not like a great rushing matchup. I mean, the Chargers, you know, they invested in the Linval Joseph, you know, Nick Vigil uh, at the linebacker position. They've kind of made it clear what they want to do, identity, offense, defense. They held Joe Mixon to 69 yards and 19 carries. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 38 yards or 10 carries. So it's not, it's going to be a matchup where he needs some of those PPR points. Um, but I think that he's definitely out of all the guys this week, uh, talking about just from a backup sense, he's a guy that I think has like the, the best like floor out of um, – out of the, that group. And uh, I would consider him like a lower end RB two with upside for more. And then a guy you can definitely plug into like for as a floor flex uh, in that offense, because it's an offense that's going to be dropping back to pass a lot. And Teddy Bridgewater is throwing these intermediate routes. Um, I think we'll see Curtis Samuel also get involved a little bit. Um, he did yeah. have four carries. He had four carries last week. Uh, after just one in week one, and they've been using Curtis Samuel, the complete inverse uh, fashion that he was used last year. His ADOT's only 5.7 <laughs> yards. He's basically just a near line of scrimmage player anyways, um, whereas last year he was just that, that vertical guy. So, I mean, I think he'll also get some uh, opportunities that probably weren't available for him with McCaffrey in the lineup. Yeah, I keep saying this. Is I give so much credit to the Chargers defense. I was saying it during the game and afterwards that with all their injuries to Bradley and this defense of what they're being able to do for the fact that they basically held the Chiefs in check most of that game, let's give them some credit, especially what you mentioned against the run. But real quickly, the Robbie Anderson excitement is through the roof, but I, I kind of have a feeling that you take Christian McCaffrey out of this lineup is going to have a negative effect on everybody. And Hayward's not what Hayward used to be, but between Hayward and, you know, Michael Davis is not somebody that most people have heard of. I mean, like, like just calling basically here to what it is. I don't want to call Robbie Anderson a must start yet. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think he's still kind of in that, you know, wide receiver three flexious kind of, you know, area. And and granted, you know, you got 200 yard games, but it's not also like all these, also these guys with hot starts. I know, you know, I don't want to be the the complete, you know, EOR rain cloud, but like, listen, Kyle really is not going to catch two touchdowns every week. Like Robbie Anderson's not going to have hundred yards every week. Um, You know, we can, we can also look at some of these spots and these matchups and say, yeah, there's a good, here's a good spot for regression. You're going against, you know, Casey Hayward, you know, Chris Harris, Michael Davis, like you said, it's, it's a, it's not a great, matchup for the boundary receivers there plus you have a team on the other side that is going to run the football all over you and so you know you know you might not get a lot of dropbacks uh you know you look at last week that was the game plan to, to, to run the ball on the Chiefs repeatedly and not let the Chiefs have the football um and that's probably something they'll be able to do successfully again here with Carolina's you know run defense Carolina's allowed multiple rushing touchdowns down seven straight games going back to last year. Uh, they've allowed three or more touchdowns in 14 consecutive games uh, dating back to last season. It's the second longest streak in NFL history now. Uh, only the 1949 through 1952 Packers have had a longer streak than that. Uh, so we are in bona fide, uh, rarefied error for the uh, Carolina defense and the amount of ineptitude that they've shown uh, <laughs> on this run here of just giving points away. 
so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of these spots. I think it is more of a non-ceiling week for the Carolina receivers, uh, and they're more floor plays this week. Then, so let's stick with this game and talk about that running back situation. Uh, so a lot of people are concerned with Austin Eckler, and a lot of people are excited about Joshua Kelly. Uh, so I will do one thing, and it's only because I want to give context. So I'm taking a victory lap on Joshua Kelly. I'm 100% doing that. You know, there was, I'm not the only person that was in on Joshua Kelly by far. I'm not saying that. But as soon as he's drafted, I said, he's the Melvin Gordon replacement. Justin Jackson's not a thing. And I, would, I said that whether or not Justin Jackson got hurt. But I also say that, and this is why I'm giving the context, Rich, is because I'm buying Austin Eckler. People are panicking about him. And we're talking about Austin Eckler getting 20 touches a game. If you would have told me, if I would have told you, Rich, at the beginning of the season, Austin Eckler's going to touch the ball 20 times every single week. Uh, well, quick math for everybody out there, 320 touches. Do you know how many running backs did that last year? Five people. If you told me Eckler 320 touches, I'm taking him as a top 10 running back. He hasn't scored a touchdown rushing yet, but that's not who Austin Eckler is. Uh, am I crazy or should be people buying Austin Eckler? I mean, it, it all just depends on, yeah, what people want to, you know, give away. But, I mean, yeah, this is a little stretch here, back-to-back two good defenses where I think that, you know, they're going to be able to do successfully what they want to do. Uh, we're going to good vibe, I think, the next three weeks after this when they go at Tampa Bay, at New Orleans, and then even the Jets, you know, are capable of having a good run defense, um, you know, although they did give up a 50-yard run on third and 31 on Sunday. <laughs> uh, but uh, but what, I think these the next conversion games, rate on third and 31, like one in 150? <laughs> I would, yeah, well, I didn't have to look it up, especially on a draw, like just give up a 55-yard run. That's probably the most Jets thing that could happen out of a sea of Jets things that have happened. Um, but I mean, yeah, this is kind of how I thought too. I was the same way that like my most three most popular, most popular players coming into the summer, uh, were Joshua Kelly, Zach Moss and Antonio Gibson, like where they were going and the situations that they were in. Now, those guys are on the most of my, most of my rosters as possible. Um, I think with Eckler, you definitely, there's like a give and take, like, so you, all the touches are like phenomenal and you love those. And he's a great player with the football as hand. he's efficient. And they've also found a way to use him effectively. If you look at the splits between how Austin Eckler has gotten his carries through two weeks versus Joshua Kelly, they're using them in a capacity like they should. Uh, Austin Eckler's faced eight or more defenders in the box and just 2.9% of his carries. Uh, versus 31% for Joshua Kelly. So, I mean, we could do the, you know, the quick context there and say, yeah, well, Kelly is the guy that's, you know, the banger. He's getting these short yards carries. He's getting into heavier personnel and they're getting Eckler the ball in advantageous situations. That's what you want. So they found a way to use these guys both effectively together. Uh, the signal for the Chargers all, the drumbeat all offseason was what we knew what they wanted to do. You know, when you let Phillip Rivers go and you you have two players and Tyrod Taylor and you draft a player and Justin Herbert because whether no matter what you felt about Justin Herbert coming in like the one like good thing on his resume was that like he just didn't turn the ball over in college I know he had that bad interceptions on Sunday got a little aggressive but he's typically not an aggressive thrower he wasn't that coming out of school and those are things like touchdown interception ratios really is a sticky stat you know coming out so I mean they were going to play turnover free football they want to run the football they signed uh, Brian Bulaga. They trade for Trey Turner. They signed Linval Joseph. They signed Nick Vigil. They want to, they signed Chris Harris. They want to play defense. They want to run the football. And that's what they've kind of, you know, come out to and done the first two weeks. 
Um, so, I mean, you like that the, the scheme that he's in. The only problem with Eckler is that, like, you're probably just – we knew that the touchdown regression was going to happen inherently. He wasn't going to catch eight touchdowns again. Only Marshall Falk had the eight receiving touchdowns as a running back, um, you know, prior to Austin Eckler. So, I mean, those were going to come down. Just the touchdowns are, are – what do you think? Because those are the ceiling crashers. Eckler's been a great floor play now for two weeks, but we want, like, is he capable of getting, like, a, a 25, 30-point game? Um, that may not be the case. Doesn't make him a bad player at all either by any means. Like it's a guy I still want on my roster. Um, but that, those are like those ceiling crashing weeks might be a little more elusive um, than they were, you know, the, with, you know, with Melvin, the other times Melvin Gordon was out of the lineup, <laughs> I should say. So I, I found it out for you, by the way, which I agree with everything you say a hundred percent. So I found out how many times now it only goes back to 1994 on pro football reference. I don't know why it doesn't go for all time. Maybe they didn't have this kind of stat tracking for that far, but at least since 94, I mean, that's a pretty damn big sample. So since 94, there's been 248 instances of a third and 31 or greater. Do you want to guess how many times it converted? Out of how many, 248? Is that what you said? 248 times. I'll say uh, 14. Nope. Number. Lower. Lower or higher? Lower? Lower. <laughs> Half. Half. Wow. It has uh, three passes. Uh, one was a quarterback scramble, it looks like. Aaron Brooks is what I'm assuming by this because it doesn't have his attempts, but it has him converting the first down, so I'm guessing it ran for it. Uh, but three runs – and three passes, and I don't know what's going on with Aaron Brooks. So seven times at a th- 248. So there you go. Uh, you, were, you, you weren't that far off, but that is a 2.8% conversion for everybody that's wondering <laughs> out there. Um, I mean, anyway, oh, only the Jets, man, only the Jets. Only the Jets. Uh, so, yeah, and that's including the Jets. That, that was the seventh time since 1994. Uh, but in any case, yeah, I, I agree with you on everything here. And I think this is one of those situations where similar to like Melvin Gordon is you can feel comfortable most weeks. Like it's not ideal that you have both of them, but if you happen to pick up Kelly too, or you were thinking he was going to be a backup plan if Eckler got hurt, you could start him most weeks. Again, I, I don't love doing that, but nobody was complaining when you were starting Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler before this. Yeah, definitely this week you can play both of them. I would hope so. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> Let's go back. Let's go. Let's circle back to my dog's namesake and Saquon Barkley, which is painful in so many ways for myself. Uh, She was upset all afternoon, Um, but (laughs) Saquon Barkley is out. Now we have conflicting reports, Rich. So, well, I I, I guess I'm reading into a conflicting report because I'm going to present it to you this way. So we know Devontae Freeman turned down contracts, one in $10 million, but then was turning down five and $6 million because he wanted to be the guy. He didn't want to be the backup to Chris Carson. He didn't want to be a backup to somebody else. So he signs the contract with the Giants after what happened with Barkley. He gets incentives if he does certain things. I'm kind of thinking Freeman was there and didn't keep his mouth shut and said that, hey, I want to be the guy. But then we see Jordan Randon come out or Renan come out today and say that Dion Lewis is the guy, which I get for this week. Because Freeman's probably not even going to play because he has to pass all the COVID testing. But even if he did, we saw what happened with Fournette. Are you thinking that Deion Lewis is the guy even after Freeman is up to speed? Or is this maybe Freeman takes two or three weeks to get going? I mean, I would find it hard to believe, you know, given, like you said, the just the tea leaves of reading the whole Devontae Freeman situation all offseason that basically he was going to hold out for have a large role in an offense, and he didn't and get it. Sit and sit back up to Deion Lewis? <laughs> right. Like, I can't believe that that's the case uh, at all by any means. Um, 
Yeah, especially not. I mean, it, I mean, with this giant situation is is rough. Uh, although I do think that that like you know if if it's just one guy, like that guy could still be okay, uh, just like anyone can. But so far through two weeks, Giants running backs are a lot are having the fewest yards before contact in the league uh, of any running back group in the league. They just haven't gotten any chance to be successful uh, through two weeks. And we knew that this giant schedule to open was going to be just rough on everybody yeah uh, and that's kind of play out to a t <laughs> and you know it doesn't really get that much better um this week or you know probably next even with the 49ers injuries i mean it's still kind of not a great spot um but like you said i don't think freeman's gonna play this week and even if he does i imagine this will be a week where it's not it is he actually probably is limited just trying to get caught up in the middle of the week um, while they're already practicing. But uh, I still think, like, if it's just him or if it would have been just Lewis, like, that guy can still be okay. I know a lot of people have been throwing out just, like, avoid this. I don't know what running back economy you guys are in, but I'm not avoiding anything. I'm not avoiding <laughs> – I'm, I'm not just – I'm just not outright fading any situation. It's the same thing with James Robinson before the year. People are like, you don't want Jaguars running back. See what happened? Like, I mean, yeah. Devontae Freeman has, has proven to be a three-down running back, and he's a capable pass catcher. Like, I'm just not going to say, like, I'm going to throw – that dude sucks. Ignore it. I'm with sucks. you every single week in the waivers. Like I, the Betty Snell situation. I said, you have to take the chance on Betty Snell because James Conner can miss multiple weeks or, you know, they could finally go committee. Like James Robinson hit Mike Davis looks like he should hit. You have to take the chance. Like you, you will have the Betty Snell situations where some of them don't. Uh, what was the one? Oh, who was the one of the Broncos back in the day that everybody, w- w- but Hillman ended up being the better one. It was, everybody was going after the other one and Hillman ended up I mean, being the one that hit. When it was Hillman, I'm trying to think of who was there in Hillman. I mean, obviously they had a host of guys like Selvin Young and Mike Anderson and Orlando. And I just remember it was everybody went after the one Bronco, and it was the other one that ended up hitting as the running back. But anyway, those things happen. But more often than not, again, you just have to take the chance because running backs are so hard to find. Like it's just like like you said, I'm gonna thumb my nose up at the potential running back. Like nah, I got too many running backs. Who has too many running backs? (laughs) Exactly, man. (laughs) Oh, by the way. You know, it's a fun stat for just in general. You, you did a yards before contact, and I love looking at the opposite as well, like both the offense and what's being allowed. Right. Oh, my God. The Lions, third most before yeah. contact and by far the most after contact. If you, It's three yards before contact, 3.5 after contact. Holy crap, Detroit Lions. And I know Aaron Jones had a lot to do with that, but, I mean, still, even so, good God. So basically, I mean, Mon- Montgomery was running on the first week. They just got yeah. game scripted out. They just got game scripted out of the run, so they were never able to keep the volume up. But he was running well too. Montgomery's actually looked all right the first two weeks. He's been pretty. He's looked pretty solid. He, he definitely has been. It's surprising that. Well, I mean, the use so far. So all right, let's continue. Speaking of <laughs> these running backs and potentially thumbing your nose up at them, so the 49ers have been news going back and forth till this morning. So Jarek McKinnon, we know. Uh, here's the downside, and I'm sure you've done this because you dig into a ton of stats as well. Funny enough, I think we both tweeted about a similar stat with Michael Gallup and running out of the slot yesterday because somebody tagged me on yours. Uh, it's like, oh, yeah, he mentioned this earlier. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, we're doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Be- 
Because I was, what I was talking about with Gallup, and I know we're not really talking about Gallup, but what I was, it was very similar to your tweet, is that he's not even in the slot at all. And, but the good news, if you want to look for the bright spot, is he's the highest in air yards per target. But the problem is he's also playing outside all the time and getting the top corners all the time. So anyway, we want that some being freebies said, sometimes. We want some free catches sometimes. We want, we want yeah, a little I, of those and, mixed in. Yeah, just please, just occasionally. But I'd still take a chance because people are ticked off at Gallup right now. It's understandably. He could be left out all year. But when you see that opportunity, so I say all that because through the first two games and understandable when you have no Kittle in week two, you haven't had Debo yet, but even more than Phil Rivers, Garoppolo is targeting his running backs more than anybody. Well, Nick Mullins is now under center. So Nick Mullins is under center. Jarek McKinnon we've seen, but we also know Jarek McKinnon's checkered injury pass to say it lightly. And now we have the report this morning that says, don't be surprised that Jeff Wilson, quote unquote, leads this backfield. What are you trying to do until Tevin Coleman and Mostert get back? I mean, absolutely. I think if it's a full PPR league, I mean, there's some, a little bit of value in McKinnon here. He's played in 32 snaps. He's run 19 pass routes. That's kind of been his role. They only given him three carries in each game. And I do think that there is some merit to probably like just given his past and what he's been through that they're, they're not just going to give this dude 25 touches. Like it's just not going to happen. And if you go back to week two last year, the 49ers were in a similar spot heading to Cincinnati. They had just lost Tevin Coleman the week before. And they ironically brought up Jeffrey Wilson from the practice squad and they kind of just spread it around they gave Raheem Mostert 16 touches that game Matt everyone remember everyone grabbed Matt Breida everyone's like it's finally gonna happen for Matt Breida and uh he only had 13 touches Jeffrey Wilson had 10 touches the other thing about Wilson too is that he's converted four or five carries inside the five for touchdowns like they already are comfortable using him there like on money touches so I mean we'd have to assume if they get close to the goal line like he's already they're already have a familiarity and know he can come through like he would probably be a guy you would say like yeah if they get a, a goal line carry it's probably going to be you know Jeffrey Wilson Jr. and whether they bring up Jamichael Hasty or not and give him a you know a smattering of touches remains to be seen but I wouldn't even rule that out with the, with They've just plug and played so many guys uh, in the running game. And I, like I said, given McKinnon's, you know, history, I don't think that they're just going to give him a bunch of touches and burn him out this early in the season um, or put that to the test, given especially where the state of their franchises or organization is in right now um, <laughs> with everybody, not just at the running back position. But I think in a full PPR league, he still offers a little bit of like flex value. I do think the him scoring the touchdowns both weeks probably is skewing uh, his usage a little bit as well. Uh, and I, like, I don't think he's like some kind of like league winting en- entity. Like I, he probably will be sold at. It's the Kyle Shanahan running back. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy that you think that would have a little bit of value in the passing game. And Nick Mullins, I think helps it out. And the receivers are, are still not like, there's nobody healthy still there. Uh, no one's done anything out of that, out of that receiving unit. So, I mean, they've got to involve these guys. Kendrick Bourne, man. Uh, you know what? Honestly, if it wasn't for Jordan Reed, I think Kendrick Bourne would have had a much better game because he was like the red zone. And then all of a sudden, Jordan Reed shows up and plays, what was it, 26 snaps or something like that? Yep. And does that. That was just annoying as hell. Uh, tell me, can't you see a box score coming out this week where like McKinnon has 80 total yards and Jeff Wilson has 15 <laughs> rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns? Like, you know, see, oh, you're laughing because you know it's coming. No, yeah, man, we know it's like I said, we were in this spot just last year. We we all did it when Tevin Coleman got injured in week one. I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> all right. A few more situations I want to talk to you about. Uh, I think that's – is that it for running backs? Yeah, that's it for running backs. No, it's not. I'm sorry. One more team of <laughs> running backs. <laughs> I know. It's like we got to keep doing this. The Los Angeles Rams. Let's talk about their situation. So, 
And I think this might have a multi-layered answer for you because I know I've been giving you one to give you a little bit of context on this one too, Rich. Is like you, I'm a huge Daryl Henderson fan, and I think if you're ranking talent overall, like pure who can handle the backfield the most, it's like, I would still give Akers the slight edge. I think Henderson needs to be more of a 15-touch-per-game max kind of guy, and that's where you're going to get the best out of him. That being said, Akers sounds doubtful for this week after separating his rate cartilage. So are you on Malcolm Brown or Henderson now that it's just two of them? And when Akers comes back, are you trying to go after all, any of them? Or is it just going to be like, stay away, it's Sean McVay, he's going to be playing game script every single week, and this is what makes him so good, as you can tell that smart argument. Yeah, it is, uh, it is, a tough, it is tough to kind of hash out because they've been it, – it's always tough whenever you see, like, just multiple guys be as good. Like, Malcolm Brown tore up week one, Daryl Henderson tore up week two, and it's like, all right, well, how much of this is being, you know, just inflation usage or is it just, you know, all just pure out talent and this guy can just win on talent? Like, the genie's out of the bottle. We can't – we have to keep giving this guy the football. And I don't know if we've, you know, fully have it yet. I love Daryl Henderson coming out. And then, you know, last year was such a disappointment. He just couldn't adjust mm-hmm. to that outside zone scheme. What's cool about the Rams this year, though, is they've completely done a 180 on what they did last year. I mean, they didn't involve the running backs in, to the offense at all last year. Like, they were just ahead of the Dolphins in touches per game uh, for running backs, yards from scrimmage per game. They have the highest rush rate right now uh, outside of the fourth quarter through two weeks, 51%. It was at 37% last year, which was 28th in the league. So they're involving and using the running backs more. They're using them in the pass game, which they got away from last year as well. And they've done it both weeks, you know, with the screen game with Malcolm Brown in week one and then Daryl Henderson uh, last week. So, I mean, Akers being out this week does help at least a little bit of the situation because we've only got these two guys to deal with. And you can say, all right, well, uh, I can at least pick up the pieces and, and kind of when there's only two, it's a, it's, it removes a little bit of the guesswork when it's three makes right. it a little trickier because we know that they want to get, you know, Akers involved a little bit and they were trying to establish him. Although I think the types of touches Akers was, was getting through, you know, six quarters were completely awful and they were never going to help him. Um, you know, just battering him on early downs and in and, and the heavy boxes. Did you know he's, like among all... the, he's among the league leaders in eight men in the box. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah. Because he was just coming out on first and second down and they're not using him in the pass game at all. And the teams are just like, yeah, all right. So we're just going to load up because uh, they're <laughs> not coming, coming out in 11. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, the whole Ram system is predicated on, you know, running out of 11 and being successful, you know, light boxes, create advantageous, you know, running scenarios. And that's how Sean McVay kind of made his bread and butter. And that's not the carries my cam acres has gotten to start the year. So uh, we'd like to see him used a little bit more successfully, but uh, just seeing some love, some life from Daryl Henderson was nice because you know he only had a couple touches in week one and this is by far his best game as a pro because it reminded you of like yeah that's why one they drafted that guy in the second round and traded up to do so and then two why we all liked him you know coming out so it's, it's nice to see him show some signs of life the system's using running backs more successfully but yeah it's definitely a, a definite quagmire uh moving forward <laughs> because Akers is a guy they invested in. Malcolm Brown is a, was a legit prospect too. You know, everyone forgets like that guy was a five-star recruit, you know, coming out of high school, like went to a big university in Texas, had some injuries and stuff that, you know, kind of threw him off track, but he was a big time talent as well, you yeah. know, as a prospect. So, I mean, all those guys are capable and the Rams are kind of one of these teams that are willing to use everybody and script plays for people. And um, they're, they're gonna, it's going to be a tough nut to crack when all three are back and active um, because it's kind of played out in a scenario where just one guy's gotten the opportunity with one of these guys being out. It was Henderson, you know, only really playing a few snaps in week one, come off the hamstring injury, and then both those guys exiting the game in week two. So um, you tell me, man, you tell me what I should do. <laughs> I tell you what you should do. 
uh, enjoy Daryl Henderson, and then as soon as Acres is back, sell high on any if you have all of them, just just get away. Uh, who was the? I remember that too at Texas, and he was he was a big prospect back then. I'm trying to remember. I feel like he replaced somebody, but I'm looking at it right now. Maybe he didn't. Those running, oh yeah, he didn't replace it. Those running backs at Texas the year before in 2010 were trash. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he was he a five-star recruit though. I don't know. I remember 742 rushing, uh, not a lot receiving in his first year. And then, you know, the injuries factored into that too. That's Jonathan Gray came in the year after when he got hurt. Oh my God. Jonathan Gray. Good God. No anyway. Yeah. Look, look at it. Going back on that one. Uh, you know what? Real quick. I, I wasn't going to ask you, but this is a quick hit one. Anyway, you trust Arians? Because here's, I'm going to tell you why I do. Because he was looking for a reason to get rid of Ronald Jones. That dude fumbled the ball. It wasn't even 100% his fault, but he blamed it completely on him. And then oh, yeah. Fournette, 14 touches. Ronald Jones, five from that point on. He was waiting to yank him from the job. And it's felt like that anyways. It's always felt like a Lucy with the football situation with Ronald Jones. It just always has. Because it's good yeah. going back to last year when it was Dari Ugambawale and you know Peyton Barber. And it, Ronald Jones had that stretch in the middle of the year where he started to look like he was taking over. And they still, anytime he made a mistake, whether it be a blitz pickup or, you know, they would initially, they would just yank him out of the game. It's almost like they've always, but, always here, like looked for a reason to. to like shade him. Um, this is, this yeah, is so, uh, I mean, What's that? This is what I'm going to compare it to. Like everybody's been in relationships and it's just like, you you know, usually, you know, vent and yell at the people you love most. And it's like one of those ones where you're just on edge and you're just looking for a reason to snap. And it's like something simple, stupid that you'd probably not even think twice about normally, but you were just kind of like, it's a bad day. Your family member, wife, girlfriend, whatever, like whatever it might be. And then it puts their music too loud. You're just like, oh, shut the hell up. Like you're just looking for a reason to snap. Yeah, I mean, that's really what all that's happened. I mean, Arians, like, you know, I mean, granted, he did kind of throw some shade at Brady and, you know, Brady, man, I don't. I don't know how pro football folks system works. I don't know how he was like the number two grade quarterback a week two, but uh, uh, Arians did throw a little bit, (laughs) throw a little bit of shade, (laughs) throw a little bit of shade at Brady week one, but it's almost, it feels like Ronald Jones has just been his punching bag for two years running. He's actually super close and they're friendly and they go to dinner all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So since you brought up Brady, let's talk about the other one that I want to talk about the B, the other breeze. So Breeze has been off to a pretty awful start, but I don't know about you, Rich. I'm kind of giving him a pass until Michael Thomas does get back because I go back to last year and this is why I own a lot of Drew Brees. And maybe that's coming from somebody who's slightly skewed because I do own a lot of Drew Brees. It was apologizing for him in drafts this year saying, what are you doing? Because the guy averaged 20 points per game last year. And if you take out the one where he left real early because of the injury, it was up to like 22, 23 points per game, had a 30 point game, never scored single digits. He was still Drew Brees, but no Michael Thomas. I I said, this is what I said on the athletic podcast. I said, six years ago, Drew Brees, you take away Michael Thomas. We're not even sweating it. This version of Drew Brees, that's the problem. And I'll go by low and bench him and stash him until Thomas gets back. Am I just looking from the uh, rose colored glasses and I'm too big of a Drew Brees fan? Well, I mean, even Monday night, I mean, I know what it looked like aesthetically. You know, it was an offense that was really predicated on just whatever yak Alvin Kamara produced. But he threw for 300 yards and averaged eight yards per pass attempt. Like, I've, we, we have Raekwon, really – 
we have we have um you know we have dunked on a lot worse games than quarterbacks have had than the one the one that Drew Brees had on Monday night and it was a huge uptick from what he did in week one week one I thought was objectively a way worse game for Drew Brees uh you know just uh, subjectively I should say from watching him he only averaged five yards per pass attempt in that first game everything was near the line of scrimmage at least He's missed some throws that he should have hit on Monday, but, uh, you know, listen, like I said, 300 yards and eight yards are past him, but still, still all check the box. Um, the problem, I think, what happens, though, is even you have a game like that, is that the Saints' offensive regression has set in because last year 75% of their offensive touchdowns were passing. League rate is around 65%, and they were they had the third highest. In the previous two years, it was right around 50%, and that's one of the big things while we were on Alvin Kamara bouncing back. It was like, hey, Kamara didn't get the short touchdowns because they they threw him in. You know, they only Kamara only had seven carries from inside the five-yard line all last year. He already has four in two weeks. Yeah. And so we've already seen that kind of oscillate back. They're a 50-50 split now, which is what they were at on, you know, before the first two years before last year. So Breeze had a little bit of touchdown inflation that was probably going to naturally regress on the team level anyway. Um, but I mean, uh, the thing is with Breeze, though, too, is that we've just got such a surplus in the fantasy landscape of quarterbacks at the top of the position that run. Right. And, you know, we've got what we what we started to see now is that these guys that are all pocket passers and all passing volume, their ceilings um, have not been as high and their floors haven't been as high compared to the, the context of the position because you've got all these other guys that are now throwing and passing it used to be that the runners really only were runners and then now that evolution is caught up and now these guys are throwing and you're getting passing stats with rushing stats they are just lapping the field that's where you're starting to see like all these guys put up these 30 point games these monster games I mean, listen if josh allen's gonna start putting up 300 yards passing oh per week with his rushing acumen like that's how you unlock ceilings like that and so breeze when you look at his game on monday and you're like oh he only got 14 fantasy points 300 that, so like a 300 yard passing game mm-hmm. one touchdown game in the context of position doesn't have the weight put, it used to yeah because, put you like qb 13 <laughs> yeah you're not getting any rushing production with it so it's it's crazy the way the game is transitioned uh which is kind of how i built like my fantasy brand anyways you know on that like being a thing but the, the i was just no about to say it's tough does josh, yeah, allen, does josh allen get the konami code for you I mean, he was the antithesis of the Konami code his first two years because he right. was doing it like the rushing was elevating his for being a, like a poor passer. You know, it was making him fantasy viable. And now you're like, oh, he's just going to drop 300 yard passing games now with this uh, with 50 yards rushing. Like, OK, like then that's when you have a guy that you that turns into like a, a top three QB instead of like a guy that turns into a floor play. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm very intrigued by it to see like where the bills actually lie in week three. So this would be the first real defense they faced. Uh, I'm curious to see just how that all plays out. Even with the Rams too. I'm curious to see. That's a very intriguing game and a lot of levels for me, that bills uh, Rams game. I'm hundred percent with you on that one. Actually. And to go back to that real quick, to throw a stat at you for the other Daryl Henderson love that I really like is so missed tackle percentage. Surprisingly, Buffalo Bills are number two, and they're also allowing the third most yards after contact. So Daryl Henderson, home run play right there. Just some nugget of information for everybody listening to go back to that. Uh, You know who else? Here's the one. There's only one correct answer, and I'm going to see if you get it. Would you drop Drew Brees for Gardner Minshew? Um, No, I don't think I would. Would you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, this week I would rather play Gardner Minshew, but I mean, I don't know if I want Gardner Minshew to be my set and forget quarterback. I think if you do that, you're just con- you're just going streaming, like you're just going to stream. See, I don't want to drop Drew Brees. I want to wait for him to come back with Michael Thomas or Michael Thomas to come back and play with him. But 
in the meantime and just in general, like I've been trying to get people to just start Gardner Minshew anyway. I mean, I've been doing that since yeah. last year. I mean, I Beowulf, would start man. Beowulf for life. <laughs> All right. Last one. And this is, I know this is one that you're uh, fired up about because I got messages back for you when I included just all I said was Jacksonville wide receivers. <laughs> and I'll let you, you know what? I'm just going to say, I want to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguar wide receivers and we'll get to more, but I'll let you just go because there's something you want to talk about first. No, no. It's like, I always do uh, my weekly rankings come out on Wednesdays and I always, you know, peruse the industry rankings just to see like what I think are outliers and like stuff like Juju Smith-Schuster still at wide receiver 10 by the industry. Uh, but, you know, I one thing that caught my eye because I write up all these games before I do rankings because I don't like to be, I like my actual player takes to go based on the matchup and the games. And then I like to go and set, you know, off of that. I want my player expectations not to be impacted by the number, if that makes sense. Like yep. the number some of these guys have, you know, because uh, you might say, like, well, I'm expecting this guy to have, like, you know, more of a floor game, look like an RB2. And then when you set the RB landscape, you're like, well, he's RB18 in these ranks now because I have to put someone at 18, you know. Like, <laughs> it's the same thing that happens. I feel like wide receiver is like that this year. Like, once you get to, like, wide receiver four, you're like, this guy shouldn't be wide receiver five, but I've got to put someone here um, already, like, three weeks in. But the Jag- one of the uh, Jaguars guys that stuck out, like, because I've been looking at, you know, Keelan Cole start, and, you know, he leads the team in targets, and he – it leads the team targets. He lead, he's more route runs than LaVisca Chenault, even though Chenault's like a darling. And I would, I, I love Chenault too and would like to have him stash still. But I go and like see Keelan Cole, like I set my thing and I'm like, see him at like wide receiver 80 in the industry. I'm like, has no one followed any of the first two weeks? <laughs> like he's got, he's got five catches and six catches. He's two, second on the team in routes run. He leads the team in targets and like he's playing the Dolphins. Like, why is he still like down here? Like in the, in the, the dredges of the underworld, a wide receiver behind guys uh, that aren't even playing you know <laughs> basically uh, so I, I joked with you and you know it's just like we're going to talk about Keelan Cole but um, I assume that you are just trying to lead me into a DJ Shark take uh, <laughs> well, Shark of course because the... <laughs> everyone wants said... to know well, so to, I, I, to, to, to the Cole Chanel, I actually have them back to back. I told you, I came back to you and said, I have them at 51, which is 24 above consensus, which is what you're talking about, which is just <laughs> absurd to me. But I do have my Cole concerns because he's also averaging like nothing in the air yards per target. He's doing it all right. after the catch. And yeah, Eifert leads the team in air yards, which is crazy. It's yeah. just, and the thing with Keelan Cole is like, yes, there's certain wide receivers that can do that. Let's like not take anything away from being able to do that after the catch. But where my concern is why he's still down at 51 and you actually like that ranking. And I think this throws a good context on this. He kind of feels like Cole Beasley, like, you know, yeah. it's going to be that kind of volumes that you need. So if any week were to shift and he fell to number three in the snaps and targets, then that'd be the concern. But yeah, it is the DJ Chark. And, you know, week one was DJ Chark offset his bad game with a touchdown, thankfully. And that's what you want from your top 20 wide receivers. But he's got the most routes, but he doesn't have the most targets. He actually is third in target percentage on this team. Actually, he might be fourth if you include everybody. But he's definitely not one. He's not even two. So what are we doing? Is this just the start to the season for Minshew? Is this the new Minshew spreading around? Is he becoming more comfortable to the Keelan Cole situation? Like how concerned, I guess. So I do in my, my, my weekly ravers, I do ducks because of ducktails. I do one to five ducks. How concerned <laughs> am I about somebody? So how about for you? One to five ducks for ducktails. How many ducks would you give DJ Chark? Uh, probably, yeah. I would say three ducks. 
um, I think there is some concern. I mean, there should be. I mean, he's been targeted on just 10.5% of his routes. Uh, that is near the bottom of the league. He was targeted on 19.2% of his routes a year ago. So you're talking about that cut, cutting that in half per route. And I just think that a lot of what they've done has been successful. So they're going to keep doing what they've come out and done, like which is low A dot, spread the ball around, uh, get just quick hitters. And that's been successful. They've moved the ball effectively. Like if they're having success with it, why would they go away from it? It's kind of like my, my logic with it. Um, I still think Shark falls into a bucket of guys. I think Shark, Michael Gallup, T.Y. Hilton, those are all guys when I look at their spots. And I, while we haven't been happy with the results, I think that those are guys I'm still going to go back to this week and willing to see how it plays out before I maybe add another duck to the, <laughs> to the pile. Um, <laughs> Especially, you know, with Byron Jones leaving last week's game with a groin injury. Xavier Howard still looks like he's dealing with his knee thing. He missed, you know, in and out of practice and has, didn't really play, hasn't played effectively the first two weeks either. Uh, you talk about like Gallup's got another good spot, but, you know, he's not getting those free targets. Uh, and then T.Y. Hilton, you know, if he doesn't put that touchdown on the ground last week, because we're probably talking to him about him in a different light as well this week. But uh, you're definitely just concerned that what the Jaguars have set out to do offensively is working. You know, we thought that they were going to be a team that was going to be a negative game script, you know, for like 80% of the time. And they were just going to have to throw all these passes and DJ Shark was going to benefit because they were just going to be trailing and he was going to just get pumped with targets. Uh, and that has not been the case. They've been relatively competitive in both games. Uh, they have just stayed on script in offense. And like I said, they've been successful. So like, why would they just go out and say like, well, man, we really, really are offensive stro- struggling to the point where we just have to get this guy involved. It hasn't been the case. So, like, until that happens, I mean, I'm not going to go all in and say, like, they have to do that. Uh, I would like to see more usage from DJ Shark, but what they are doing and how they are incorporating their personnel is working. So who am I to judge it? I don't blame you, and it is working so far. We can only hope. I mean, it's, it's weird that we're actually, like, hoping for the downfall of the Jaguars so we get more of DJ Shark. Is that, does that make sense? <laughs> so... Uh, it's just, I think we hope for week three is like lesser injuries, please. At least like from the fantasy perspective, actually just in general, like I don't want to see players get hurt in general, but on the bright side of things, as we can go enjoy week three, once again, Lord Reeves is where you can follow him. What, tell, tell everybody all your good stuff. Why they, well, no, why just go subscribe so you can read his game previews. They're the arguably the best thing out there, but anyway, so everything else that you got going on, Rich. <laughs> yeah, sharpfootballanalysis.com, cranking uh, all, all that good stuff, worksheet, DFS content, doing uh, a weekly podcast with a good friend of mine, Chad Scott. It's called Pre-Snap Motion. If you guys want to give that uh, a, a look, uh, check that out. And I'm also doing a podcast called Sharp Angles, which really isn't fantasy related. We're doing more of like a betting real football analysis with oh, nice. uh, my guy, Dan Pazuda and uh, Cleve T.A. Nice. Any uh, video games until January? Or are you like me where you pretty much write off the four months? Um, I don't play any locked in. The only thing going right now is, is Madden. Um, that's all I, I keep going during football season because it's the only thing I can go in and out of. I play a little <laughs> bit of Fall Guys. Um, and I got to check out this Among Us that people are playing uh, online. Uh, uh, because, like, I I don't know if you're a big board game guy, but I we like to play a game called Secret Hitler, and it's supposed to be like that, uh, but online. Uh, so I definitely want to check that out. I'm going to have to look up to see what you're talking about because I do like some certain board games. Uh, yeah, and we mentioned before the show, I've been trying to finish Ghost of Tsushima, but 
I got two thirds of the way through before the season started. And now I'm probably like two thirds point five of the way through. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's tough, uh, you know, not to say like, Oh, well you get to write about fantasy football living. Like you got it made, but like, you know, I literally only have like Saturdays as like free time to like spend with my family. So so I might like wake up and sneak in a game of Madden or do something, but like literally like we have just one day to all like do family time and, and spend time together because of just all yeah. the stuff and this my nephew's playing baseball so yeah, i'm going to do yep. that and it's, it's like like i have no, no free time but yes it is glorious uh, a job and they so lord reeves at on twitter at on that did that backwards what am i yoda at lord reeves on twitter <laughs> make sure you check out everything that's going on at sharp football including rich he's a great one thanks again rich appreciate it